Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church. I do apologize for this episode being a week late. Um, been a very busy week, but uh, I am glad to get it out to you today. This is last Sunday's Sunday morning service as we go through the life of Joseph. And the title of the message is When Dreams Come True. Please enjoy. What I'd like you to do this morning is I'd like you to hold your place in Genesis 40. And once you have Genesis 40 held in place, turn over to Isaiah chapter 30 and verse number 18. Our text verse this morning will be Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 this morning. However, we will be going back to Genesis and going through chapter 41 beginning at the end of chapter 40 this morning. So um, just if you'll get those ready. And uh, like I said, uh, Genesis 40, hold your place there and then return over to Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18. I'll give you just a second to get there. Somebody said this morning, Brother Brett, you've got a new suit. And I said, no, I have a suit I can fit in again. <laughs> so that is the difference there. So praise the Lord. So and so that's what's going on with that. So uh, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse number 18. If you have your places in your Bible, I'm going to ask you to stand in respect and reverence to the word of God. We'll read one verse, pray and sit back down. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 30 and verse number 18. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. The title of the message this morning is When Dreams Come True. When Dreams Come True. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd fill this place with your power this morning. I pray that you'd melt away all the distractions in our minds, Lord, and help us to focus on the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to come into your house and listen to the preaching of the word of God. May we never take it for granted. Be with us this morning. Be with our service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Um, a little over a year ago, I had a doctor's appointment in Hammond. My doctor's appointment was for 145. And so I get down there at 135. I'm early. I like to be early to my doctor's appointments. Sometimes if you're early, they'll see you a little early. And so I get down there and I'm a, I'm a little early. So I get out my phone and I check my Facebook and, and there's no, no notifications. I guess nobody loves me. And so then I get my little ear. I've got my little Bluetooth earphones. I put my earphones in and I open my Bible app. And I have a Bible app that actually reads the Bible to you. 
and uh, we're just so lazy today. And so I'm, I'm going through my Bible, I'm reading my Bible app, and people are coming in and getting seen, and I'm stand, sitting there minding my own business. And then my appointment time comes, and I don't get called. <clears throat> and then something happens, people come in, um, that come in after my appointment time, and they're getting called back um, before me. Now, I'm usually pretty patient with this kind of stuff, and uh, so I just kind of, you know, it's okay. And then five minutes pass by, and 10 minutes pass by, and 15 minutes pass by, and all these people that are coming in after me are going in before me. And soon it gets to the point where not even I am that patient. And so I get up and I go to the I go to the lady behind the thing who's calling in the next person and I say, you know, um, you know, these some of these people are coming in, are going back, um, that have come in after me. And she looked at me and and maybe with a little sarcasm in her voice, she said, I'm I'm sorry, sir, but we have to see the perp the people who are here on time first. And I kind of, what I said was, um, I don't think I'm late, but what I wanted to say, say was, look here, honey child, look here, you know, that's what I wanted to say. But I went and I sat down, I said, I'll prove when my appointment time was, and I pulled out my phone and I got my little text message to confirm my appointment time, and I opened up the text message, and I was getting ready to, to shove it in her face, and I look at my time, and my time was 1.15. I was late. So what did I do? I sat there quietly, I sat there patiently, and I waited till they graced me with an appointment. I just sat down, and I kept my mouth shut. Now that was why I waited so long. But sometimes we want to ask the question, why does God wait so long man sometimes it feels like we're just waiting on God and waiting on God and waiting on God and it feels like God just waits so long and and sometimes we say well you know why does God wait so long we can say well only God knows why and that's part of it we can say that in part only God knows why but did you know did you know that the Bible actually tells us why God waits. The Bible actually tells us why. It gives us some insight on why God's wait, God waits sometimes before he does something for us. This morning we've been going through a series in the life of Joseph and we've seen so throughout Joseph's life that Joseph has been forgotten by his brothers and Joseph has been forgotten by Potiphar and Joseph has been forgotten by the butlers. Joseph has apparently been forgotten by everybody but not by God. God had not forgotten Joseph. God had simply been waiting. God had been waiting. He'd been waiting with a purpose. You see, God waits with a perfect purpose, and God waits for the perfect time. 
there came a night in Joseph's life while he was in prison and he was the prison steward over the prison. He had done, he had woke up that day and he had done everything he had to do. He had taken care of all the things that were in his responsibility to take care of. He went into where the prison steward sleeps and even though he was a prisoner, he kind of ran the prison. He went into his cell and he pillowed his head that night and as he closed his eyes to drift off to sleep that night, little did he know that in a plush, regal palace full of luxury, there would be a king called Pharaoh and Pharaoh would go to sleep that night and Pharaoh would have a dream and that dream that Pharaoh had would absolutely change Joseph's life absolutely forever. That dream that that Pharaoh had would change Joseph's future. It would end his suffering. It would begin his exaltation. Let's review a little bit what has happened thus far in the life of Joseph. Joseph had a dream that God was going to use him as a leader. Joseph's brothers hated him. They threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. As a slave, he was falsely accused of seducing Potiphar's wife. And he ended up in prison. Let me make this statement. It is out of suffering that God advances his own. It is out of suffering that God advances his own. Think about the position that Joseph was getting ready to be in. Man, if if you were a mom or dad and you said about your child, man, my child is going to be the president of the United States of America, what would you do to prepare your child for that? Man, you would pay all the money and you would send your child to absolutely the best school that you could absolutely afford. And then you would get ready for the Ivy League and you would send that child maybe to Harvard, maybe to Yale, maybe to Princeton, maybe to Stanford. You would send him to absolutely the best schools that you could send him or her to for that position. Where did God send Joseph? To prison. Send him to prison. William Cowper is broadly recognized as the pioneer of England's literary awakening. William Cowper was a poem writer, wrote many, many famous poems, and was very, very popular in his time. He was very well known. But one thing William Cowper was not a stranger to, William Cowper was not a stranger to suffering. William Cowper was a very frail man. William Cowper was a very nervous man. He had a pinched face because his eyes were were constantly swollen because of constant chronic inflammation that he couldn't get rid of. William Cowper attempted at one point to end his own life, and that ended him up in a lunatic asylum. He ended up in an insane asylum. And in this insane asylum, a contempt and cruelty were, were, was the order of the day. Yet out of those sufferings, he found Jesus. He found Jesus. And though he had written many poems in his life, once he found our his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he began writing hymns. It was William Cowper who wrote these words. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. 
deep and unfathomable minds of never-failing skill. He treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Judge not the Lord by feeble sins, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Now for Joseph, the waiting is over. The years of adversity are finished. The years of advancement are now here. If you have your places in Genesis 40, if you'd flip over to Genesis 40 for me. And as you're flipping over to Genesis 40, I'm going to read for you our first point this morning. Our first point is the providential ways of God. The providential ways of God. We're going to begin reading in Genesis 40 and verse number 23 and then continue right into 41 and verse 1. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forgot him. Verse 1 of the next chapter. And it came to pass that at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. While the butler had forgotten Joseph, God surely not had forgotten him. Joseph interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. It is possible that he had previously been in prison for five years. It's more likely that he was in prison for ten years and it, 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 it could also be that he was in the prison possibly up to 13 years. Yet, all this time, God is doing this for Joseph's eventual good. I mean, let me ask you a question. What if Joseph had been released from prison two years earlier? What if, he had, what if that had happened? If he had been released two years earlier, he'd have went back to Potiphar, possibly sold to somebody else, and he would be lost to Pharaoh forever. But God had prepared the butler for the right time, and now he's preparing the king. Let's read in verse number one again. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed a dream, and behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, that's a cow, and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up, up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored uh, and lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored fat kine. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, the seven ears of corn came upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, the seven thin ears and, bla uh, and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Now we see God's plan start to take shape. You see, the magicians of Pharaoh's court, they came in, and they came in with all their prayers, and they came in with all their incantations, and they would have to call upon an Egyptian god to answer this dream. Now, the dream that these magicians would call upon is the god thought. 
His name was Thoth. And Thoth was more powerful than any of the other Egyptian gods. And the reason for that is because Thoth, or they, they thought that Thoth knew, Thoth had the, the, na- the actual mystical names of the other gods. And so Thoth would use prayers and use incantations to actually control all the other Egyptian gods. So here come the magicians with, with all, of their, all of their prayers and all their incantations. But then they embarrassingly had to go to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, we have access to thought and he knows all the mystical names of the other gods and he can subdue and control all the other Egyptians' gods and Pharaoh, we've used all our prayers and Pharaoh, we've used all our incantations but I'm sorry to say this morning, Pharaoh, thought is silent and we cannot answer the interpretation of your dream And you're going to have to go to another source. Now, he's left to ask the question, who can interpret this dream? And you know, it's interesting how God works. Right beside him that day was a court official who knew somebody who could interpret a dream. And it's, you know, you ever just, you know, you ever just sat there and, you know, something comes to your mind and you think to yourself, man, why didn't I think of this before? We thought I had a conversation. And I man, why didn't I just think of this before? And it's like that guy, like that guy is the, the butler standing before Pharaoh, and he's like, you know, he like had an epiphany. Like lightning struck his brain, and a thought went off in his head, light bulb, and a thought went off in his head, and uh, he said, Oh, hey, hey, I know somebody. I know somebody who can interpret dreams. Genesis 41 and verse number 9. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me inward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed the dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man in Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. We told him and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream, he did interpret. After two years of forgetfulness, he says, hey, there's a young man in prison. He's in the captain of the guard's prison, and he interpreted my dream. Man, isn't this just a testimony to the timing of God? It's often said about God, he's seldom early, but he's never late. For Joseph The fullness of time had finally come. Joseph, God sent Joseph out of prison to perform his perfect will. Joseph, just like Jesus, came forth when the fullness of time was come. And I want you to remember the verse we read at the beginning. The Lord waits that he may be gracious. You know, looking at Joseph's life before he gets to this point, It's kind of hard to see God's providential ways in Joseph's life. But from this point on, it's all we can see. Point number two, the perfect wisdom of God. Verse number 14. 
Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed the dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You know, when it come, when it, the timing comes for Joseph to get out of prison, a lot of stuff happens in Joseph's life very, very quickly. And that's true in our life. Oftentimes we feel that there are long periods when God does absolutely nothing. But you know, when his timing is right, things can come together in an instant. And you know, actually during those times where we feel that God isn't doing anything, God is actually doing the most important thing. He's preparing us for what is to come. He's preparing us to be in the image of His Son. Those are the most important times in a Christian's life. He's developing, up our, he's developing our character and transforming us into the image of His Son. But certainly Joseph was there and Satan was whispering in his ear. Satan was whispering, don't blow it. Be careful what you say. This is your opportunity. You always know that when you, when you put too much thought into something and you think about something too much and it's a real high pressure situation, you tend to mess up. This was there. The temptation for Joseph to look out for himself must have been incredible. But I want you to notice the words that Joseph said about interpreting his dream. Verse 15. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed the dream, and there is none that can interpret it. I have heard say thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Pharaoh gave Joseph a golden opportunity to glorify himself. A golden opportunity for Joseph to pat himself on the back and say, you're right, you're right, Pharaoh. You, you heard what I can do. You recognize the skill. So yes, I deserve to be here. But Joseph didn't do that. Joseph didn't pat himself on the back. Not at all. You know what? Joseph wouldn't have any of it. You know what Joseph did in that situation? Instead of glorifying himself, instead of lifting himself up, he glorified God. He lifted up God. He had an opportunity to lift up the Lord, and that's exactly what he did. But not only did Joseph admit to Pharaoh that he didn't have the ability to interpret the dream, you know what else he did? He kind of indirectly insulted Pharaoh. You know why? Because Pharaoh is counted as a god. They counted Pharaoh in Egypt as a god. And what Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, if you can't interpret, it, interpret that dream, then you're not a god. You are not God. This is a bold statement to make. For a long-time prisoner who is standing in front of someone who could end his life that quick. But Joseph wasn't afraid. And Joseph wasn't scared. And Joseph spoke the truth. You know what else I find interesting about this story? About, I find interesting about this story in Joseph's life up to this point. That God 
uses natural means to accomplish his supernatural will. Did you know that? God uses natural means to accomplish his supernatural will. God used a man's dream. He used a woman's lies. He used his brother's envy. He used his butler's forgetfulness. Rarely does God use these grand, miraculous displays of power. John Phillips said, God usually brings his purposes to pass by such normal and natural means that only the eye of faith can see that he has been working at all. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. See, it's only by faith we see the wisdom of God. Apart from faith, it's foolishness. When the world looks at us and we say, oh, this is God, this is power of God. Oh, what are you talking about? That's a coincidence. It's a coincidence that the cancer left. It, 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 it's a coincidence that this person is healed. It's a coincidence that this person has, has threw off their drunkenness. It's a coincidence that this person is no longer addicted to, to, to methamphetamines. And they, oh, it's just a coincidence that all these things have happened. Really, it's just a coincidence that this family has been put back together. And this mom and this dad and this husband and wife, they've sewn their family back together. They've came back and now they've made it. Oh, it's just a coincidence. And the world looks at us and says, yeah, it's foolishness. But you know, that's a two-way street. Because 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. Not foolishness to us. You see, the world looks at us and they think we're the fools. But we look at the world and God says they're the foolish ones. God says they are the foolish ones. But you know, it's not just the world. Regrettably today that there are many religious organizations that deny the eye of faith. On January 6, 2011, Pope Benedict made this statement. God's mind was behind the complex scientific theories such as the Big Bang. And Christians should reject the idea that the universe came into being by accident. Basically, the Pope is getting behind the Big Bang. He's getting behind evolution. A Reuters News article said... Benedict and his predecessor, John Paul, have been trying to shed the church's image of being anti-science, a label that stuck when it condemned Galileo for teaching that the earth revolves around the sun, challenging the words of the Bible. Whoever wrote this article doesn't know the Bible. Galileo was rehabilitated, and the church now also accepts evolution as a scientific theory and sees no reason why God could not have used a natural evolutionary process in the forming of the human species. The Catholic Church no longer teaches creationism. The belief that God created the world in six days as described in the Bible and says the account in the book of Genesis is an allegory for the way God created the world. What do you have to say about that? Remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. We can apply that verse to other areas in our life. Brother Brett, 
how can this Bible be relevant in our modern society? I mean, this Bible says that, that it, 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 it only condones marriage between a man and a woman, and it doesn't, it doesn't condone any other type of marriage. And it also says that in that marriage that the man is the head of the household. Now, Brother Brett, that is, that is Stone Age thinking. Uh, that's, that's from the Stone Age. How in the world can you believe that is right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Man, Brother Brett, there are secular organizations out there that are feeding people. There are secular organizations out there that are, that are clothing people. And sure, they never mention God and they never give the gospel to anybody. But I mean, they're still doing good. God's, God's probably still happy with them. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And Brother Brett, the Democratic Party, they support the killing of babies and, 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 and they support uh, taking under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance and they persecute Christian business owners, but their leaders say that they're doing the work of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Brother Brett, haven't you heard there's a pandemic going on? Haven't you heard there's a pandemic going on? And you know, haven't you heard that people are getting sick and people are dying? How can you have church at a time like this? Don't you think it'd be safer to have online church? I mean, you've done it before. Do it again. I mean, if the numbers keep going up, man, we might get like Chicago. We might get like California. They might come and nail a, cl a clothes sign on the door. They might lock the pastor up in jail. I mean, John MacArthur's probably going to be in jail before the days over anyway don't you care about the health and safety of your congregation now it's okay for them to go to walmart and it's okay for them to go to the bank but it's okay for them to go to la Coretta's. but you know what those things are essential and church isn't why do you keep the church doors open without faith it is impossible to please god brother brett i keep trying to live for god Man, but everything keeps going wrong. Nothing has worked out the way I wanted it to work out. Man, I had a picture in my mind of how I wanted things to be. And, and Brother Brett, nothing at all looks like that picture. That picture's absolutely shattered. That picture is absolutely gone. Man, how can I keep trying to live for God when everything keeps going wrong? Don't you think Joseph felt that way? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Number three this morning, we have the plain will of God. The plain will of God. Verse 25, And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. God had revealed to Joseph and now revealed to Pharaoh what he was about to do. And just had God 
had planned for Joseph to learn through suffering, God's plan was now to exalt Joseph. Man, just a few hours ago, Joseph was in the prison and he was doing what he was, does every day. He was doing whatever a jail steward does. And right about that time, there was a rattle of the prison doors and those bars swung open. And in, woke, in walked some Egyptian officials in, 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 in robes, and in scholarly robes. And these officials, they came up to a prisoner and they, they asked for Joseph by name. And the prisoner looked over and pointed Joseph out. And they came over to Joseph and they grabbed him. And they, they led him out of that prison and they took him to a place and they gave him a bath and they put some robes on him and they shaved his beard and they cut his hair and now Joseph stands before the most powerful man in the entire world. And now Joseph reveals to Pharaoh God's plans. And then... Joseph proceeds to give Pharaoh a little lesson in economics, you know. Uh, what's that guy that uh, does all the Christian money planning? Dave Ramsey. Joseph becomes Pharaoh's Dave Ramsey here, okay. Gives him a little seminar on economics. And uh, he, then he, after he does that, he selflessly, by the way, selflessly advises Pharaoh, look, you need to get somebody with wisdom, you need to get somebody with discretion to be over the land of Egypt during this time. Verse 37. And the thing was good in Pharaoh's eyes and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house according unto thy word. Shall all my people be ruled? Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him the ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Now, back in a few verses ago, Pharaoh said, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? You know what that is? That is the first time in your Bible is referenced a man, the Spirit of God coming upon a man. Pharaoh saw that Joseph was filled with the Spirit of God. Pharaoh was lost. So that means that lost people can tell when you're filled with the Spirit of God or not. They can tell it. And yes, it was the plain will of God for Joseph to prevent, to present to Pharaoh during this specific time. It was also the plain will of God for Joseph to get promoted at this special time. Now, Joseph is commander-in-chief over all of Egypt. Basically, for all intents and purposes, Joseph is now the prime minister of Egypt. He has the power and authority of the king. Joseph went from the pit to the pinnacle. But it took 13 years. It took 13 years. 
Although you may look at Joseph's life and I don't know what kind of news media they had over there. Maybe they had ENN instead of CNN because it's Egypt. And, uh, but they had some kind of man. Last night he was in the prison and today he's prime minister of Egypt. And I'm sure to all the people of Egypt it may have looked, seemed, may it seem like it was an overnight success. But it was 13 years. It was 13 long years in the making. Now earlier in Joseph's life, this kind of power, maybe it would have consumed him. But now he's fully prepared. There's nothing lacking. And he can walk right in to the most challenging role that he'll ever face in his entire life. And he will be okay because God has prepared him for what he was about to do. I want you to imagine with me for a moment the remainder of that day. You know, could you imagine, if you will, for a second, maybe, maybe Pharaoh could have looked over at Joseph and said, Joseph, let's go for a ride. Let me go around and show you your kingdom. And, and you know what, Joseph, is there any place where you would like to go? Maybe Joseph said, you know, I'd like to go to the prison. The prison keeper was kind to me. Maybe Joseph walked in that prison that day and earlier that day he was in there as a prisoner, but this time he walked in there a free man. Maybe Pharaoh looked over at Joseph and said, Joseph, where else would you like to go? Oh, you know what? I'd like to go to Potiphar's house. I'd like to clear my name with the other servants. So they go over to Potiphar's house and, and could you imagine Potiphar's face when he came home for supper that day? And there Pharaoh is standing there with Joseph and, and, and Pharaoh looks at Potiphar and says, Potiphar, this is your new boss. Potiphar jaws, his jaw drops. In the house you can hear a crashing because Potiphar's wife was listening out the window and she fell back, tripped over a potted plant. Man, isn't imagination just fun? Isn't it fun just to, just to imagine things? But God had brought Joseph to the point where adversity would not stumble him and advancement would not spoil him. So we have went through that story. Now let's bring it back to our text verse, Isaiah 30, 18. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore he will be exalted. Blessed are all they that wait for him. It didn't say on him, as it does in other places in the Bible. It says wait for him. You know, we often wonder why the Lord... Uh, while the Lord do, waits to do things in our lives, Isaiah tells us why. That the Lord may be gracious to us. You see, when the Lord seems to delay, He always has a loving purpose behind it. Always. And even though we don't understand what that purpose is, we can still trust it. We can trust it. Even though we may not understand it. You see, when God has mercy on us, it exalts Him. Mercy doesn't exalt the person who the mercy's for. All the mercy does for me is show me that I'm guilty and I deserve punishment. But the mercy, it, it exalts the person who gives it. 
And it shows God as, as gracious and kind and merciful and loving. But then that last part, it says, blessed are they that wait for Him. You know, maybe as a Christian today, you have a dream. Maybe your dream is having a blessed life in the will of God. But maybe you've had some storms. Maybe you've had some storms in your life and, and maybe your dream ha of dream of having a blessed life in the will of God, maybe that hasn't come to fruition yet. But I want you to remember some things. Number one, about your dream coming true. Number one, it won't be overnight. It won't be overnight. While you're waiting on God to bless your dream and, and put you having your dream of a blessed life in God's will, while you're waiting on that, I want you to remember it won't happen overnight. Joseph was in horrible situation after horrible situation after horrible situation for absolutely years before he got to that point where God exalted him. It will not happen overnight. Now here's the second thing. It's not going to look like the picture you had in your mind. It's not going to look how you wanted it to look. Maybe in our minds we have this picture of how I want God to bless my life and I want it to be like Mayberry and I want mom and dad and the kids all there and Opie and you know uh, uh, I want everybody there in this this little picture of what I have and I have this little picture in my mind of of how I do it it's not going to look like that picture that's a promise I can make to you you know what Joseph's picture was Joseph's picture was being back in Israel. Joseph's picture was being back with his dad. And Moses' picture, well, uh, uh, Joseph's picture was being back with Benjamin, his little brother, and being back in the land of Canaan, back in his room where he grew up as a boy. That was Joseph's picture. Never in a million years could Joseph have imagined what was going to happen to him. When he stood before Pharaoh that day, he fully intended to go back to his jail cell that night. Absolutely. He had no idea that this was going to happen to him. So, are you the type of person that says, God, if it doesn't look like the picture I have in my mind, I don't want it. Or, are you the type of person that says, God, I don't care what the picture looks like as long as me and you are in it together. Because the picture is not going to look like what you have in your mind. And then number three, It'll only come if you wait for him. Now, waiting for him doesn't mean just passing the time before your dream comes true. Um, it, it's patiently waiting and trusting God and trusting in his promises. If I wanted to get on a train, where should I wait? The train station. But people want to get on this train of the will of God and they say, I'm going to wait at the house. Or more accurately, they're going to wait in their sin. It's more accurate. But rebelling against God is not how you get on the train. It's not. You've got to be at the train station. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that the church is the train station alone by itself, although that is a part of it. But waiting on God means that I faithfully 
trust in his word, and my life reflects that. That's waiting for God. We've talked about William Cowper. William Cowper was at an absolutely low point in his life. Attempted suicide, insane asylum, chronic illness. But then he found Jesus. And he put his faith in Christ. And Jesus showed him that he could wait for God. And do you know what William Cowper wrote while he was waiting for God? Maybe you'll recognize it. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. I'll sing thy power to save. I'll sing thy power to save. Then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. And if William Cowper had never waited for God, he never would have wrote the words that we sang this morning. Christian, is your life not where you thought it would be? Are you going through something that's just like a storm that without end? Do you feel like you're getting hit with two hurricanes? Is, it, is that what it feels like in your life? I promise you, if you wait for God, He has a purpose. Blessed are those that wait for the Lord.